Hi, I'm Gracie Sarkeesian, the Executive Director at the NYU Wasserman Center, and this is All in a Day's Work, the podcast we've created for you. All in a Day's Work will bring you episodes featuring members of the NYU community doing interesting work and navigating the professional world. We are excited to share their stories with you. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, and welcome to another episode of All in a Day's Work. My name is Danielle Crystal, and today I'm speaking with NYU alumna Janelle Dennis. Janelle earned her MS in Human Resources Management and Development at SPS, and currently works as a sourcer in talent acquisition at Viacom CBS. Janelle, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. So... You earned your master's at NYU after a few years in the professional world. Before we dive into your career and what you're doing now, could you begin by talking a bit about what you were doing before you arrived at NYU and why you decided to return to school? Yeah, so before I arrived at NYU, I was working as a human resources associate at a children's mental health organization in Toronto, Canada. And I got that job straight out of doing a postgraduate program. And I did an internship there. The internship turned into a full-time position. And then after a promotion or two, ended up staying there for about five years. And I discovered it was time to move on and gain some other skills in areas that I didn't have as much exposure later on compared to the earlier stages of that job. And so what was it like readjusting to school after being away for several years? Oh boy, it was, (laughs) it was an adjustment for sure. We'll say that just getting into the whole routine of school again, having assignments that you have to think about, which I feel like assignments are always in the back of your head, especially if you're working and going to school at the same time. Readings, I hadn't cracked open books that large in a long, long time. So just having to keep up with the readings every day to make sure you don't fall behind, keep up with the lectures, taking notes. What I will say that I did appreciate about going back to school was that after being in the work world for about five years, I had a better idea of the things that really interested me. So anytime I got an assignment, I knew exactly what I was going to choose. So a lot of our assignments in the HR program at NYU are case study based, choosing certain companies, choosing certain topics, and just really being genuinely interested in the assignments that you're working on. Yeah, and also part of your program included a semester long internship too, right? So I know that everywhere, but especially in New York, the internship market is extremely competitive. What was your experience applying for those internships? Oh, that's another oh boy, (laughs) initial oh boy answer. It was extremely competitive and it was a bit ironic because at the time I was working as a graduate career development assistant at Wasserman SPS. So every day I was coaching students and helping lead webinars on how to crush your internship, how to apply, what are all the things to do. And then (laughs) it was my turn to do that. Not that I didn't think that it was challenging, but just really seeing, oh, yeah, everything that 
every student has told me about is real. You know, you can apply for a whole bunch of things and never hear back. You can apply for things and make it into the interview process and then also never hear back. I applied to quite a few places, but for me specifically, I was also in interested in the entertainment industry. So that narrowed down my choices a little bit more. And I ended up interning at Sony Music, which was an incredible internship. My manager there became a mentor of mine who helped give me advice that helped me into going into the job I ended up in now. It was just, it was really fun. Can you talk a little bit about how you handled that stress of the process without getting overwhelmed with the, you know, that graduate level internship? Handling the stress, I think, is something that I'm still figuring out how to do on a day-to-day -day basis. In the context of that internship, I think I was just so excited to A, have an internship, and to B, obviously this was pre-pandemic, so being in the office at that time did provide another level of excitement and seeing all the people, all the things around me. I'd say there was so much to learn and take in that as stressed as I was, it alleviated that stress in a lot of ways. Also for the HR program, the internship is the last semester. So a lot of the courses, all pretty much all the huge courses were already done and dusted under my belt. So it gave me time to focus pretty much 100% on the internship. I wasn't having to worry about school and assignments while taking in and absorbing everything at the internship. Can you talk about some of the skills and experiences that you got from that internship that you wouldn't have gotten in the classroom? Yes, definitely industry experience. And by that, I mean the entertainment industry, media industry experience. So in my program, since it was HR, it's more general, right? So you cover kind of a broad range of industries. But in my program, a lot of our case studies were geared to the technology industry and some other more traditional industries. Media and entertainment, I did get to research a little bit for the case studies that I, I chose a media company for. But being in this internship, it was just every single day being immersed in whether it be the brands at Sony, it was the music industry. So learning how record labels work and subsidiaries and those nuances of the music industry, which then set me up later for the larger entertainment industry, um, especially when I was interviewing for the job that I'm in now, because there is some transferability between the music industry and the television industry. So in my previous job, it was for a nonprofit. It was in children's mental health, which is a different workflow from a for-profit business. You hear all these buzzwords like stakeholders and jargon speak like, let's take this offline. We'll table this for later. You know, all those those buzzwords you hear in, in Zoom meetings. And those are those all contributed to what I do right now, the industry knowledge and the, the kind of general office working world knowledge. So can you talk a little bit about what that job application for those full-time jobs after graduation, what that was like? It was really interesting because my field that I was getting into was talent acquisition, which is the other side of the coin to applying to a job. So all throughout NYU, I was studying 
ways to make the candidate experience as smooth as possible and to make sure that people have a fairly pleasant application experience and then being the person applying to the jobs and seeing seeing it all over again and and being like this is why it's such a big deal essentially I don't want to be jaded but it was it was pretty brutal <laughs> and uh, before I started working at Wasserman I may have thought you know I don't need coaching I know how to write a resume and do a good cover letter and I'm pretty good at interviewing no, 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 no. I think that everyone can find value in career coaching, especially when you're applying to a lot of jobs at the same time. Because one of the things that I know Wasserman would suggest to students is catering each application to the company or to the job. And when you're actually in it and you're applying to what could potentially be hundreds of jobs at a time, that's the last thing you want to do. I knew from and from Wasserman and also from my research that statistically your odds of getting an interview and then getting a job are higher if you cater your application to the company and to the job. The reason why it was brutal is because I did that for pretty much every job. So even if a cover letter wasn't required, I was writing a cover letter and I was making sure that there was something specific about that company. There was some research that I found, even if it was just through Google, that I was putting in there and I was linking that to my experience. And it it took a lot of time and it kind of made the rejection hurt a little bit more when you don't hear back from a company and you're like, oh man, I spent so much time on this cover letter. I put my whole entire soul and story into it. How could they? But once you get through at least the first 10 applications, the other Mm, 390 don't seem that bad. We'll be right back to our episode after this quick tip from Miriam Miller. Here at NYU, there's a really concerted effort to foster a startup ecosystem and nurture a new generation of leaders in the startup field. The Leslie eLab here at NYU really exists for that purpose. They have a team of experts that offer programming, events, and resources, as well as specialized funding to support the work of entrepreneurs from across the institution. In addition to current students, they support faculty, staff, and researchers from an array of schools at NYU, and they also work with the community at various stages of their startup journey, whether that's prototyping a product or learning how to fundraise for an idea. So they have things like the Startup Bootcamp, they have their workshop series, Startup School, and they also have specific coaching and mentorship to help support people thinking about going into startups. So they have fellowship opportunities and also a variety of competition like the Entrepreneur's Challenge, where the community can compete for hundreds of thousands of dollars in prizes, or things like green grants, where community members can win funding for campus sustainability initiatives. Whether you have an invention or an idea, the NYU Leslie Elap is a great place to start learning about how the university can support you in your goals. So to learn about the services they offer, check out their website at entrepreneur.nyu.edu. And now, back to the episode. So how did you eventually land the role that you're in now? I'll say it's a little bit of a serendipitous story. It was after applying to a lot of positions and getting a lot of rejections. I don't know for sure, but I assume that one of the reasons why I wasn't getting as many interviews as I'd hoped, even though I was carefully crafting my application, was because I 
was also an international student. So I'm from Canada. And so on every application, there's that checkbox where they ask you, will you require sponsorship now or in the future? And that is for any international student that is listening to this. I see the sweat that just dripped down the side of your forehead because it is so nerve wracking just checking that box and being like, oh, no, is this signing away my my chances at getting this job? The, the immigration and sponsorship process is complicated. And in the cases where it isn't complicated, it does cost companies money. And it's not as straightforward as compared to evaluating a candidate who is a citizen or a permanent resident. So after all those rejections, I just started going to a lot more in-person events, also because I had graduated and I had some more free time. Any conference, panel, anything happening in New York City, I was going to it. There's this organization called the Center for Communication, and I found out about them while at Wasserman because they would sometimes have cross-branded events where they'd invite Wasserman coaches or sometimes they would come and do an event at the Kimmel Center at NYU. So I was going to all these events and I went to their Women in Media Summit, which was held at the New York Stock Exchange. And in between each panel, they had a, a chance to line up to speak with a representative from each of the companies that were there. So I was standing in line behind CBS and Showtime's booth. And I had applied to a job with them, I think about three days before that. But in the back of my head, I just assumed that it was gonna be another rejection. I, I just thought, you know, let me wait in this line and just still ask about the position and what they're looking for, just so I can take this information, use it for somewhere else. A lot of the people in front of me in line were asking, the same question over and over, which was, so what jobs do you have? Oh, what jobs do you have at CBS? What jobs do you have at Showtime? Which now being on the other side of it, I realize how tiring that question can be just because we live in the 21st century. Google is free. Going up to someone and asking what jobs do they have at a company where they probably have at least 500 open jobs at any given time is just not a good use of your time if you have that opportunity to speak with someone in person. So when it came up to me, I just asked, I saw this job posting a couple days ago. I'm wondering, is there anything that isn't in the job description or isn't in the posting that you think someone applying should know that would help the candidate and you? And she cracked this huge smile. And she's like, first of all, great question. Second, even better question, because that is my role that I am hiring and that person would be working for me. We ended up arranging for me to give her a call the following week to speak about the job. So the next week, gave her a call. We had a, a phone interview. And then she asked me to come in the next day to meet the senior vice president, interviewed with the senior vice president and not getting too into the details, they gave me an offer and that is where I still am right now. It, seeing the person in person or just getting a chance to talk to them as outside of the, the process, it opens up a lot more doors. And so kind of pulling from your experience as an international student, 
what advice would you give to international students who are approaching graduation and feeling nervous about their job prospects? The first thing I would say is to keep your options open. The reason I say that is because one of the things that negatively impacted my mental health at the time was having such a narrow goal and feeling like if I didn't reach that goal, then essentially I was a failure and my world was over. So for me, it was I need to get this type of job in this type of industry for this company, which that's really blocking a lot of your blessings and closing a lot of your doors. That's first and foremost, just making making sure that you're you're not being too narrow in in terms of what your career goals are and being a little bit more open, whether whether it be title, company, industry. Another thing I will say is do your research on the types of immigration visas in the United States. And one thing that really helped me with that was the NYU Office of Global Services. They were extremely helpful. They held webinars. Going to those workshops really helped take the stress out of there and not feeling like you you don't know what you're doing at all or that you need a lawyer. When I got to the point where I was speaking with a recruiter or a hiring manager for a job and they ask, oh, so you require sponsorship. What sponsorship would you need? Where um, I was prepared to give them that information because I'd say a, a lot of the time, the people that you speak with for an interview, whether it be the hiring manager or the recruiter, they won't always know the ins and outs of what sponsorship looks like for you and where you come from. More likely than not, they'll need to go back to HR or go back to their legal department and find out. So if you're able to provide them with that information up front, it definitely, definitely helps your chances of you moving forward in the process. I think that is some very good advice. I think that's something we say at Wasserman all the time. Research, research, research is always helpful along the way. What is something you've learned on the job that you wish you'd known back when you were applying for jobs and internships? I used to think that if you got rejected for a job, then that's pretty much the end of your all of your hopes and dreams of being with that company, which is so not true. So many times when I look at an application now, and if I know that we are not in a position to hire that person... A big part of my job is what we call in talent acquisition pipelining. So we'll say, okay, you know, Danielle was really great. You know, she isn't going to be the pick this time around, but definitely let's have her in our notes, in our folder. So then the next time a similar job comes up, we reach out to her immediately. So then she gets in the process early and hopefully she can be the pick the next time around. Or if not that time around, then the following time around. And that's something that a lot of recruiters really value or are people who are, you know, even if they weren't a fit or a pick for that job, if they're still open to opportunities down the line, that may be a better fit or maybe just the timing is better further on down the line. So that is a little glimmer of hope there that if you get rejected for something, there's a very good chance that a year from now or even just a couple months from now, you may end up getting that same job or a job that's very similar to it. One of the things I wish I knew back then was the value of applying to a job as early as you can. 
you know, a lot of times when you look on LinkedIn or you look on a job posting and you see, oh, it's only been open two weeks. Okay, well now I have so much time to go through my resume and my cover letter and make it perfect and just make it the most perfect thing I can, even if it doesn't need any revisions. I would say that is potentially harmful because when recruiters are look are starting their search, there's a lot of momentum early on in those first few applications that come in. And so if there are really good applications coming in in the first week, a job can be filled really, really quickly. And even if it isn't filled, a lot of times the recruiter has seen enough where they don't need to look at other applications because there's proof that there's a, a solid pool of qualified candidates. Yeah, that makes total, total sense. What's next for you? I don't know. And I'm okay with that. And I think that is a big shift personally for me, especially when I was graduating. It terrified me to not know what's next. So yeah, what's next is just continuing to do what I'm doing now, getting better at the things that I'm doing well and keeping up with that level and then learning more about things that I'm I'm more weak in. Thank you so much, Janelle, for talking with me today and for sharing so much helpful advice for all the job searchers in the NYU community. This has been All in a Day's Work. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about the services that are offered at the Wasserman Center, you can log on to our career portal, Handshake, through your NYU homepage. Today's episode was hosted by Danielle Crystal with episode guest, Janelle Dennis. We're produced by Miriam Miller and Lily Smith, edited by Lily Smith, and created with support from Mia Beresford, Haley Garofalo, Joseph Mercadante, Carrie Contiyanis, and Sarah Rosenthal. That's all in a day's work. Thanks for listening.